This is Wahid Jensen, and you are listening to Away Beyond the Rainbow. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh and welcome to our second episode of Away Beyond the Rainbow, a podcast series dedicated to Muslims struggling with same-sex attractions who want to live a life true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Islam. I am your host Wahid Jensen and I would like to start off this episode by saying jazakumullah khairan, thank you so much for everyone who has been emailing, sending messages, Uh, sharing this podcast on social media, sharing it with friends and family. Um, I am very, very grateful to all of your emails of support and love and all of your comments and suggestions. Please keep them coming. Uh, This is an initiative that it's still at its beginning and we are growing together and learning from each other. So anything that you would like to mention at any time, please feel free to email me at awaybeyondtherainbow at gmail.com. I promise to read all of your emails and respond to them in due time as soon as I can, inshallah. And as a reminder, uh, all of our episodes are available on our website, awaybeyondtherainbow.buzzsprout.com. And you can listen to us on your favorite podcasts like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and iHeartRadio. Joining me in today's episode is my dear friend, Adam. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, Adam. Wa alaikum salam, Wahid. How are you? I'm good, alhamdulillah. How are you doing? I'm really well, alhamdulillah. I'm really excited to be here today. I am very excited to uh, have you as my co-host for this episode. Um, We are both very excited to be sharing with our audience the content that we have prepared for this episode and the next episode, inshallah. Um, So when you you shared the uh, notes that you prepared for this episode, initially it was just for me to have a look over and give Mm -hmm. you some of my own thoughts. But I really felt like um, it would be good for me to maybe share some of my experiences and thoughts uh, to help the listeners but also just for me to kind of you know put it out there so to speak so um right. yeah i've got some um hopefully useful anecdotes stories and um thoughts on this particular topic to share with everyone listening right and inshallah we look forward to sharing all of that with our audience in those two upcoming episodes just an fyi adam's voice has been modified uh, based on his request in order to remain anonymous Whilst we were planning this uh, episode, Wahid and I realized that it's, there's just too much content for this to be in a single episode. So we've decided to split it over two. But I just want to cover and mention some of the talking points, each other, the things that we'll be speaking about within over the course of the two episodes to give you a glimpse of what to expect um, throughout your you know next hour or so of listening. Um, so we will be talking about self-love, inshallah. Uh, we'll be talking about the concept of love self-compassion what that means and what that isn't and we'll be talking about shame and guilt and how they're different we'll be talking about connection and shame and how they relate to one another 
We'll also be talking about vulnerability and how that actually relates to shame and self-compassion and self-love. And we're going to wrap it up by tying this back to Muslims like ourselves who are living with SSA and then some closing thoughts at the end of the second episode. Super, inshallah. We look forward to this two-episode series where we talk about all of these um, very deep and intertwined concepts. Um, We would like to start off with a quote by Wilfred Peterson, who said, The art of being yourself at your best is the art of unfolding your personality into the person you want to be. Be gentle with yourself, learn to love yourself, to forgive yourself, for only as we have the right attitude towards ourselves can we have the right attitude towards others. Now, the first time that I read this quote, um, a couple of months ago, I was kind of very skeptical and cynical, if you want. Uh, you know, all of these concepts of loving yourself, being gentle with yourself, <laughs> forgiving yourself, you know, these, a couple of months ago, I would just say, uh, were very, very alien concepts to me. Right. Um, I grew up in the Muslim community where these concepts are not talked about. They're even frowned upon, right? And for you to, to, to talk about loving yourself almost always is associated with feeling that you are condescending or arrogant or patronizing towards others, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so j- these, these big words are quite alien to our Muslim communities, right? And when we think about the concept of self-love, um, and we're going to dive deep into that, inshallah, in today's episode. Um, in general, I think that we as humans, um, there are two extremes when it comes to this issue in particular. There is a, a group that operates on the extreme of overindulgence and overfocus on the self, and another group that operates on the extreme of forgetting the self completely and always um, feeling ashamed and bashing oneself and feeling constant regret and loathing. Um, so what do you think right. about that? Yeah, I, I have to agree. <laughs> and I think that's just part of the human condition, right? Is this idea that when there's a topic that maybe we're not that familiar with, that, right. or it's new to us, mm-hmm. uh, or it's not something that's from a part of the culture that we've grown up in, there's this tendency to jump to assumptions and make judgments quickly. Right. And this is a, de- a great example of that because you have people who, when they think about self-love, they think about people who are obsessed about how they look, about what they're wearing, about all the super superficial stuff. And it's um, they, they think of someone who is self-loving mm-hmm. as all about themselves, very individualistic. Um, and we do see this, right? So I don't blame people for thinking this because there are people that have gone to that extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see this with some people that use uh, social media. Now, I'm not bashing bashing social media right now but i'm just pointing out some patterns that some people uh display in in how they present themselves and not everybody that does this is necessarily you know uh, at the extreme of being obsessed with themselves but we do see this you know a lot of people really kind of painting this picture of their lives on social media that just looks fabulous it looks perfect right Mm -hmm. Um, and that's very rarely the the case and so i can see why people might look at that and think 
all you know they're all about themselves especially if they're insecure right um but we have that going on and then we have people who are genuinely like they are obsessed with themselves Mm -hmm. maybe even narcissistic right (laughs) um and you know i've heard uh, psychologists and psychiatrists speak about narcissism and how it's the secondhand smoke of um mental health um which is an an amazing metaphor right but um you know it's so predominant within certain parts of culture um in particular places like hollywood and all you know we're um professions where people are very much about themselves right about the image about their voice about their look uh, and so on um i actually remember seeing somebody post something on social media now i don't use social media that much right Mm -hmm. i actually have distanced myself from social media um, for a number of reasons, this is one of them. Um, this, you know, this, it, it, to me personally, it sometimes can feel a little bit superficial. So I've kind of distanced myself from. It. I do dip in now and then, but I remember when I was using um, social media quite heavily, I saw a picture. Someone posted a picture. They were sat in their car, and what they'd done was they'd taken a piece of paper or a few pieces of paper, and they'd drawn a logo of a Mercedes Benz. Oh, wow. Okay. On a bit of paper, right? And they stuck it on their steering wheel with a bit of uh, cello tape. They mm-hmm. had a coffee cup, but what they did was they covered the coffee cup up with a drawing of the Starbucks logo. Right. And then they had a, I think they had a watch on, and then they did the same thing with the watch, where they covered the watch with um, the Rolex logo or something. Right. And they were, they sat, they, they, they were, um, I can't remember exactly what the, 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 the text that they had posted, but they were making a point that... Mm-hmm everybody this is like this is allegedly the lifestyle that we're supposed to be chasing right Mm -hmm. um and then um but doing it in a really funny way because obviously they're not driving mercedes they don't have a rolex and they're not drinking at starbucks but it was just driving that point so i don't think this stuff helps people's perceptions of Mm self-love um because that i mean that's i mean looking after yourself materialistically there's nothing wrong with it um but when we when that becomes our basis for our identity and our self-esteem that is troublesome um, exactly because obviously that's steeped in a lot of insecurity mm-hmm. um but then it's not just social media like the over focus on me myself and i it can affect the relationships that we have the fam our families uh, our work our health our spiritual well-being and so on and so on so um this is one extreme that people tend to jump to when we think about self-love Absolutely. Um, And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have a total negligence of the self or even abuse and hatred um, toward directed all towards the self, Um, constant bashing and shame, a lot of regret and self-loathing and the abuse or the hatred that is directed towards oneself. If we're not talking about just neglect, like neglect is kind of passive, if you think about that, but like abusing oneself is more of an active role and you know self-abuse is not necessarily physical a lot of people you know physically abuse themselves like self-harm but self-harm can manifest in so many ways like emotional Mm -hmm. and mental constantly um ruminating and and thinking about what is happening and 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 thinking about your flaws and thinking about the things that you had done that you shouldn't have done or you should have done in a different way right or um you know just uh, conjuring up images of yourself where you constantly bash yourself or you feel weak and inferior and you just dwell on your insecurities and all of that so that is an opposite extreme which becomes healthy it creates a lot of 
social and occupational and personal dysfunction. Um, and sometimes it might actually be unconscious. We do it uh, without even realizing it. Um, and speaking from a personal experience, right. I realized that I used to do this to myself a lot. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about this in detail, inshallah, this episode and next episode. But um, for me, it was a wake up moment when at some point I actually stopped doing that for a split second. And then mm -hmm. I realized that, oh, my God, was I doing that to myself the whole time without even realizing it. Mm -hmm. So it's just... Um, it's unfortunately something that we have been accustomed to because of a lot of things that have happened to us in our lives. Um, there are all sorts of, 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 of contributing factors like trauma, fam, fam, uh, familial dynamics, uh, childhood upbringing, you know, our relationships with our classmates back in school, how we grew up, how we perceived ourselves, how other people perceived us and so on and so forth. And we'll be talking about this, inshallah, in later episodes. But as far as, uh, you know, today's episode is concerned, um, yeah, an opposite, the, the, the um, one side of the spectrum is forgetting the self completely and actually hurting oneself. Unfortunately, a lot of religious leaders, a lot of imams, um, community leaders uh, are not blameless in introducing and reinforcing these self-hating and self-loathing concepts. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we're not generalizing. We're not saying that all of them are to blame. No, of course not. I'm, I'm saying that... Um, a lot of the uh, religious discourse, unfortunately, and the rhetoric that is used kind of reinforces that. So the the person himself uh, becomes the uh, subject of the hate and the guilt. Um, what I'm trying to say is we all make mistakes and we come forward to confess and to make amends and we want to change our lives but sometimes we're just put in a corner we're cornered and all the hate is directed towards us even though we're trying to change or you know the discourse that is used in the religious communities is one that is very alienating and one that is not very inviting and one that you know it directs all of the the negativity and the hatred towards the individual, whereas the individual is a very sacred entity. It's it's the 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 problem or the sin that is something that is wrong, mm -hmm. not the individual himself who is a sacred entity who did something wrong. And we will talk right. about guilt and shame, inshallah, uh, in uh, during this episode. Um, but what I what I mean by all this is that any talk of self love as a result becomes very alien because we've been habituated. Um, and we've been used to the discourse of you are at fault, you are not worthy, you are not good enough. And no matter what you do, you need to continue struggling and struggling. And so, so one might think under all of this pain and pressure, under all of these layers that I'm drowning in, you want me to love myself? How can I even do that? Like, what is this thing that you're talking about? Even if I decide, let's just assume that I want to do that. Isn't religion all about letting go of the ego and the self, forgetting all about yourself? Isn't this what spirituality and mysticism call for? And I would say that I was at some point someone who would have asked all of these questions mm -hmm. because I thought that religion is all about... Uh, constantly dwelling on your mistakes and right. 
and 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 not even thinking about loving yourself. Any talk of self-love meant that you're actually a condescending, arrogant person. You need to let go of the ego, like the concept of kibr um, right. in, in Islam. This and so many other concepts were kind of um, misunderstood by me. And so many topics were just uh, mixed up together in my mind because of mm-hmm. a lot of um, misconceptions and a lot of uh, self-esteem issues and a lot of problems that I was going through and, and this kind of exacerbated uh, my mental health issues. Yeah, I can, just adding to that, I can definitely relate because I think that sometimes religious leaders um, are, they will introduce a concept to the congregation and normally it takes place at, at on a Friday at Juma because that's the time in the largest number of people get together, right? Right. And they'll introduce a concept. Um, and because of the the fact that they don't really have that much time to go into it, mm-hmm. they will introduce it at maybe a high level and it leaves it open to interpretation, right? Of course. And that's where a lot of this happens because I, I, I know in my experience that when I've spent time um, with people of, um, of knowledge, people who understand the religion, scholars or imams or whatever you want to call them. Right. And when you actually speak to them about these issues and you ask the questions that you have, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll often um, explain it to you in a way that you, you didn't get just from, you know, a lecture or from the Juma Khutbah or whatever it was. And so they it go deep, deeper into these right? topics. Yeah, yeah, they'll go deeper into the topic. And, and unfortunately, the problem is, is that so many Muslims nowadays maybe aren't spending that time or don't have access even because mm-hmm. i mean in a lot of places they just don't have access to this okay. um and i don't know how i mean i'm not i don't know how readily available it is online this stuff mm-hmm. um but it does require time investment of course and you know i would and for anyone listening who has struggled with this or is struggling with this i would encourage you to maybe um try and pursue some learning of some of these concepts even our religion and particularly the entire body of uh knowledge that relates to purifying the self because it's such a beautiful study i remember when i studied this um for the first time i was just in awe at every moment that 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 we'd learn something new about it mm-hmm. because it was just it was like it was like someone holding up a mirror to yourself and you're being shown i guess how your imperfections as they relate to you but it's not uh bashing <laughs> And horrible experience it's really not it, it's actually quite a beautiful experience because you're also given the solutions you're also showing how what 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 parts of how you are at the moment is good you know what I'm so there's things like maybe you're doing something right now that you haven't really considered was a big thing but mm-hmm. there is you know there's some type of great reward for it and you're shown by the way this thing is actually a really great indicator that you have a heart that is sound Absolutely. So, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's these type of things and these these things matter because we need validation, especially from religious leaders and especially people, Muslims who have SSA. We do require, I think, I know that I have in the past, sometimes still feel like I do, but it would be, it's, it's good to just get the validation that, you know what, you're doing fine. You're okay. You are, there's goodness inside of you. Um, you're doing a lot of good things. You need to keep doing them. And, you know, we all have our flaws. So, um, so it's all about a balance, in other words, yes, right? Absolutely. Uh, you need to have a balance in terms of realizing what it is that you want to achieve in terms of your own personal development and growth yeah. and not taking it to an extreme where you're just very lax in terms mm-hmm. of your self-discipline or very harsh on yourself to the point that it becomes very dysfunctional. Right. 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 Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely.
and I think this moves us on to the next part of um, our discussion today, which is, you know, why would we be talking about this? Like, why is self-love important? And I think it's good to start off by saying that even though we're speaking about it in the context of Muslims who have uh, SSA, like uh, Wahid and I, and you, the listener, um, this is a topic that is so important for everybody to understand, especially in the time that we now live, where mental health is such a massive talking point. Um, uh, you know, people are talking about this more than they ever have in the past. People are seeking out ways of you know, working through their own uh, issues, whatever they might be. Uh, and obviously that sits on a spectrum. But fun- fundamental to being a healthy individual is having a sense of self-love. And I remember um, I remember watching uh, uh, an interview with a, a group of women and the, it was all about shame and it was all about guilt. It was all about self-love and on all of these types of things. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, women, especially now, I mean, they're talking about this stuff so much. And, you know, how can women be more empowered and all of this stuff? So it was all in that context. And mm-hmm. one of the things that the interviewer asked this group of women was, um, how many of you feel a sense of guilt or shame for the fact that you are working mothers? And a large number of these women who were mothers stuck their hands up in the ear and that was quite um it was quite eye-opening for me to see that you know self-love isn't just something that maybe i struggle with this is something that everybody struggles with Mm -hmm. it's across genders it's across the roles that we play you know who we are the backgrounds that we come from and this was a diverse group of women this wasn't just like a, a monolith for people from one uh you know part of society and i think this is really important for us to understand that self love is something that everybody needs to pay attention to and should learn about and especially if we are struggling with mental health issues if we're struggling with um things that might have happened to us in the past and we have our own traumas and stories that we really need to kind of work through um and especially people like us people who have ssa there's there are or there can be um you know case by case it's different but there can be a lot of wounds from the past some of which we are aware of some of which we're not aware of and there can be a lot of guilt and shame as we're growing up. And I know that this has definitely been the case for me. And, I, and I'm sure Rahid has been the same for you growing up, being, there being an incredible amount of shame about, you know, the realization that you're different from other people, of other course. kids, other boys, yes. mm-hmm. right? Or or for the sisters, other girls, um, you know, they feel a t- certain type of way, or maybe they're interested in other things. And then you as, as a person with SSA, you're not really quite there in the same way. Um, and, and they're bullied know. or, or right. uh, ashamed because things are, um, you know, they're being targeted or they're yes. being made fun of because they're different or they have different right. interests or what have you. And then, yeah, it just all feeds into the cycle of shame and guilt. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And I, I had this definitely. And, you know, it doesn't even have to be something that's huge or significant in the, in the way of someone saying something to you like for example when we talk about bullying it doesn't have to be something that happens consistently as a child so for some of us the bullying might have been a one-off instance it might have just been one word that someone said that really sets you off on this cycle of oh my god i am inferior and i am less than and i'm not enough right and it just becomes this big thing and for me that for me it was i had that kind of experience but it it was coming from a lot of different places Mm -hmm. so it wasn't just like the kids at school it could even have been people in my own family of course yes right absolutely and it's like when you're playing um, and you're doing things together you might be like i definitely was not interested in 
a lot of the boy stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember being young and my, and my cousin. Uh, we spent a lot of time together, um, and we would play lots of stuff. You know, whatever boys do, they, they do, but they'd always be like a preference for me to want to maybe play with the girls and do what the girls were doing because mm-hmm. I just liked it better. Mm-hmm. And not that that's a pre- that's not a, a you know a, a litmus test to say, oh God, this child is going to grow up and have SSA, and we need to do something. Not trying to set people off on a path, right. <laughs> but. Um, but for me, definitely that was that that was how it was for me, um, and I just so happened to have SSA. But even when I think about this, even in even on my bad days now, and I have bad days, right? I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect at all. I work on this stuff all the time, and we've spoken about this. We are continuous works in progress. <laughs> of course, of right? course, and we'll always be that way. We, we're we'll never always... attain perfection in this life, right? So. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. And this is one of the things that I really love about the Dean is that um, I've actually heard a Sufi saying that if you think that you've arrived, then know that you haven't. You've actually failed. Like if you believe that you've arrived at the destination or the, the perfection of character, you really haven't because you you just can't. It's not possible. Yeah, of the course. perfection yeah. is in the striving. Right. Right. Is in the continual striving is to realize that there's always something to work on, which is very beautiful. But even on my bodies, I can feel a great deal of shame about um any, sometimes it can be even the smallest thing and if it's a trigger that sets me off on that path it can be really hard for me to get back um to a place where i feel um secure comfortable loving uh and and just stable um in in myself and in, in the way that i feel about myself and the way that i see the world right um, and in the last few months the last few months for me have been quite challenging because there's been a number of triggers in my life that mm-hmm. are not really necessarily related to um, like SSA, um, but they have definitely been um, very challenging, uh, very, um, I mean, I thought at the time I was dealing with them well, but they knocked me out of the park, <laughs> so to speak. But before those triggers, um, they, they they appeared i actually felt really quite good I, I was actually i was i would say i was probably at one of the best i was in one of the best spaces i've been in in a long time i felt really stable i felt really in control of myself i felt like i had self-love i felt like i was taking care of myself mm-hmm. and i was i was doing well you know if someone asked me how are you doing i'd sincerely tell them yeah i'm doing really well <laughs> right you know i'm good um but Unfortunately, um, there was a you know a, a one particular trigger that kind of sort of set me off in in that downward spiral of really feeling like um, feeling very anxious, uh, putting me down a path of depression, anxiety, and just feeling incredibly inadequate. And you know, when it first happened, like when I first realized that something wasn't right, I was like, okay, just breathe you're going to get through this. But what ended up happening was I just started to shame myself for the fact that I was back in a place that I thought I'd overcome. Right. Mm-hmm. And that itself is, is incredibly toxic. It's very uh, damaging mm-hmm. because I was judging myself. I wasn't right. like, I was judging myself for the fact that, you know, there's a trigger, it set me off. And, you know, it was almost like, we're not going to deal with just getting past the trigger. We need to, like I need to know you deal with the shame of the fact that I'm feeling like this mm-hmm. and that is incredibly uh unhelpful it's very damaging mm-hmm. um and what made it worse was because I felt so much shame about it I, I kept it to myself 
and I kept thinking, I'm going to work through this on my own. I can deal with this on my own because I've done it before and I'm going to do it again. Right. And that just wasn't helpful because what that ended up doing was really isolate me from other perspectives, other people being able to come in and help. And I've done that throughout my entire life. Right. And um, that has been a recurring theme and pattern. For Amen. Me. Yes. Yes. Right? Exactly. It's been a recurring theme and pattern and yes. it hasn't helped me at all. And what I need to say about when I have opened up to people that are trustworthy, the consequence of that or the the outputs of that have mm -hmm. been so, you know, great. Of course. They've been so great that really I don't have any reason to now withhold uh, when I feel any type of way. If I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling a little bit anxious or depressed mm -hmm. or I'm feeling a shame. I don't have, I mean, if you look at the evidence, the evidence in my life is saying you've kept it to yourself. Mm -hmm. and for a long period it's never helped you you've just You're seen right. that cycle of shame right, right? Uh -huh. but in the moments literally the handful of times when i've said spoken to someone it's been this absolute transformation transformation so to speak. yeah yeah exactly it's been this transformation just mm -hmm. by telling someone what was going on right. someone who was willing to listen someone who was not going to judge me mm -hmm. someone who could offer their own perspective on what i was saying and be the level head that i needed to kind of um, try and gain some perspective right. and this is this is a demonstration of why having a support network is so essential in um, healing and growth of because course. even though like I convinced myself for the longest time I can do this myself I can do this myself I can deal with it myself and it, it, it and you maybe you can sometimes right maybe sometimes it, you know you can deal with you know a little bit of this and a little bit of that and something not things that are just not things that are overwhelming and you know going to take you down completely mm -hmm. but 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 when it gets to the point in the stage where it's you know you're really now it's been a week it's been two weeks and it's been three weeks and it's been four weeks and it's going on and on and you're still feeling anxious you're still feeling sad depressed all of this that's when you really need to think right i can't deal with this someone i need some i need some other kind of intervention or of another perspective of course of course and while you were talking it just um it just made me realize that the way that you were phrasing it, you you said that you were going through a period of everything was fine, alhamdulillah, and then suddenly there was a trigger of some sort, and that kind of um, uh, triggered like a cycle of negative emotions and thought patterns, right? Right. And and the mere fact that you were able to identify that trigger and to identify the thought patterns and the emotions that you've had um, is uh, is a success on its own because a lot of us who um deal with these things we just feel all sorts of emotions and thoughts and we don't know what's happening to us right, yeah. we don't know where we were where we are where we're heading so everything mm -hmm. is just a big um blur so to right. speak uh with personal evolution and we'll talk about this inshallah with personal growth, learning, opening up to others, probably therapy, any resources and any sorts of help that we can get, we start to learn more about ourselves, learn more about how we think, how we feel, label Absolutely. our emotions and thoughts, realize yes. what triggers us, why does it trigger us, right? right, And so on and so forth. So this is very, I mean, this is uh, part of a greater discussion, but it is just to show people that it is a um, a lifelong process of learning yep. and and letting go of 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 certain um, negative thought patterns, unhelpful 
uh, thought patterns that would otherwise lead us into like a dark hole or a vicious right. cycle of shame, hatred, and self-loathing. Right. Um, and <clears throat> what I would like to talk about right now is how when you have SSA compounded with mental health issues, this even fuels the problem further. Like we further drown in shame, guilt, mm -hmm. and self-hatred. Um, I know a lot of people, a lot of very dear friends of mine who have SSA and who have other mental health issues like uh, generalized anxiety, social anxiety, depressive disorders, mood disorders, OCD, for example, even suicidal ideations. Um, when SSA is in the equation, it makes it even more difficult because um, it's it the 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 shame, um, the self loathing, the self hatred, the low self esteem, and those vicious cycles they're amplified. I remember when I was a, a late teenager and I first got exposed to uh, the Sufi teachings and the writings of Al-Ghazali and the, the concepts of self-discipline and purification of the heart and all these wonderful, wonderful topics. Um, back then, I was uh, dealing, without even knowing, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. and I had... Um, and I had mild OCD, some obsessions and compulsions, and there were some, um, a lot of deep issues that I was dealing with. And so I misinterpreted a lot of these teachings um, because of a lot of these schemas that I've been used to for a very long time. So right. topics like disciplining oneself, purifying the heart, as beautiful as they are, I took them to an extreme of if I'm not this or that, if I'm not that perfect, then I'm not good enough. I will never be good enough. So mm -hmm. it turned instead of disciplining oneself or purifying oneself, it turned into a cycle of bashing and further self-hatred, yep. uh, which is not what the teachings intend to do. Exactly. Right. I'm not saying that the teachings are wrong. Of course, they're not. But I'm saying that for someone who's been dealing with all of this toxic shame and negativity, uh, and to be exposed to ideas of self-discipline without having proper mentorship, uh, without being exposed to, uh, for example, let's say therapy or support groups or people who understood what I was dealing with. And for me to understand that, okay, I need to kind of navigate this and kind of try to dissect all of these emotions and thoughts and see how to move forward. Uh, of course, for a teenager, that's kind of not not easy to do right mm -hmm. and i didn't have access to that so i misread and misunderstood those teachings and i began to hate myself like if i'm not able to do that then i'm not good enough or i keep on trying trying and failing then I'm, it's just uh, something is wrong with me um so and even any moment of peace or happiness it would be mistaken for a moment of self-indulgence like i shouldn't be happy no 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 no. that's that's not okay <laughs> i shouldn't be peaceful if i'm wow. feeling peaceful or happy then i'm i'm loving myself and that shouldn't happen i should not love myself right, right? Uh, so the baseline for me was a constant state uh, state of self-criticism and shame and i was inflicting cruelty on myself and i didn't even realize that that was the problem Instead of me being kind to myself, I was cruel to myself. Mm -hmm. And again, this is not what the true spiritual teachings are about. This is not what uh, purification of oneself, self-discipline is about. That's not. Uh, it's all about a balance, which we said, you know, it's a balance state of harmony. You don't mm -hmm. go to an extreme of self-indulgence. You don't go to an extreme of self-pity, self-loathing, self-harm, shame, guilt, etc. So, um, uh 
And there was also fear because I was afraid of letting go uh, of, of previous thought patterns because they're the only things that I've ever been accustomed to. Right. Um, so I can relate to that. Yeah. Because um, I have had that and sometimes even have that now when I'm having certain realizations. Right. That, you know, you've been a certain way for so long. It's familiar and it's comfortable. And the one thing that people don't like to be is in a state of uh, discomfort or mm -hmm. lack of familiarity. We, right. we love knowing and being in control and having a sense of control. Of course. And, um, you know, letting go of certain parts of, you know, toxic patterns, even even things that are bad for you can sometimes feel very, you know, nerve-wracking, uh, scary, uh, um, anxiety-inducing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so what I would say about making shifts is that they don't have to be 180 degree shifts they literally sometimes just have to be a shift of perspective maybe a degree to the left right St two, tiny baby steps three degrees mm, and exactly. you know honestly the opening that you will like feel from just that small shift to the right or left would be enormous and I, I testify to that like i have had situations in my life where i've just made a small tweak about the way that i think or feel about a certain situation or how i see the world or how i perceive things and just that tiny tweak has mm -hmm. has been just enough for me to be able to move forward in a way that's healthy mm -hmm. and then realizing that the fear of you know you know letting go of the thing was just really quite irrational to start off with because i'm still the same person like fundamentally i'm still the same person right i'm just healthier i'm just i'm just being i'm just able to deal with certain things um a little bit better than what i did before of course of course so this brings us to the topic of love um, so what do we mean by love in general? Um, what, when we think about love, what do we think about? Um, and for me personally, if you ask me that question, um, I, I immediately think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how he is the ultimate source and provider of love in the universe he created the universe he created man and he created all of everything with love and he bestows his love on all of his creation um you know when we open the quran the very first surah is surah al-fatiha right and so it starts with mm -hmm. bismillah ar-rahman ar-rahim right the most gracious the most merciful right ar-rahman ar-rahim there's a lot of rahma there's a lot of mercy um there's an emphasis on Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, um, the, the all-loving, the, the one who provides love constantly, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Surah Al-Baqarah verse 160, um, He Almighty says, But those who repent and reform and proclaim the truth are forgiven, for I am forgiving and merciful. There are tons and tons of verses in the Qur'an that talk about the mercy and the love and the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In, uh, for example, Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse 74, he asks, Why do they not turn to God and ask His forgiveness? God is forgiving and kind. Um, in Surah Al-Anbiya, verse 83, 
Remember Ayyub when he called to his Lord, that's Ayyub alayhi salam, I am afflicted with distress and you are the most compassionate of all. And one of my favorite, favorite verses in the Quran is um, Surah Az-Zumar verse 53. Say, O my servants who have transgressed against themselves by sinning, do not despair of the mercy of Allah. Indeed, Allah forgives all sins. Indeed, He it, it is he who is the forgiving, the merciful. So, when we think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we think about pure and unconditional love. Um, and unfortunately for me, I mean, as a kid growing up in the Muslim communities, I used to always wonder why um, a lot of people in my community would always threaten kids with, oh, if you lie, if you steal, if you do X, Y, and Z, God will put you in hellfire. And I'm like, what is this? And I used to always go to my mom and complain about this. <laughs> and um, yeah, and, and you, you would hear all, all sorts of superstitions and things that they would tell kids. And yeah. this is just completely <laughs> wrong, right? And I would tell my mom right. that, and she would tell me, don't listen to that. Allah loves you. Allah loves kids. Allah loves everyone. Uh, Allah is full of mercy and love and compassion. Um, whenever you go through any problems, whenever you face any difficulty in life, just raise your head and talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, he is the ultimate source. He is the ultimate fountain of love. And so when you think about all these things, uh, when you think about qualities like compassion and mercy and empathy, when you think about respect, um, all the beautiful qualities that we have as human beings that we embody, they're all from him, right? And they all stem, mm -hmm. they all they all go back to love. Um, and so we are taught to love our fellow man. We are f taught to love each other. Um, but how can we truly feel love and channel all of this love if we don't experience it firsthand ourselves? If we don't love ourselves, if we don't have a balance of love? Uh, personally, I don't think that we can fully embody pure and unconditional love from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do you think about that? Yeah, I can relate to that. I, I can say that I did struggle with knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a loving entity, mm -hmm. as a loving essence, mm -hmm. because of the way that I was brought up. And so much of what you said about kids being told that you know you oh, you know if you do this uh, Allah's going to be angry he's not going to you know he won't love you and you know he, you'll you'll be punished and that type of uh, right. storytelling and rhetoric right. which is so damaging um and that sticks with you it stuck with me um for a long time and until I started to actually kind of peel back the layers and realize that you know this this god that we're talking about is more than just this angry you know vengeful being <laughs> It's not that exactly. Is is right. It's not about that, and and it really bothers right. us that they don't focus on the mercy and compassion of Allah. They just focus on the, uh, you know, the, the wrath, the wrath and, and the, the punishment anger and, and anger. Of, <laughs> yeah, like the, there's this huge emphasis on that, and you know that's so unfortunate because that nobody likes to be reprimanded, right? Mm. <laughs> it's true, right? Because I, I mean, if you do something wrong, you would like that someone would tell you that that you did wrong in a way that was loving right and empathetic and you know they're being you know they're considering your feelings and they're not just going through you like a ton of bricks 
And so when you're hearing this from religious authorities, that this God is very one dimensional, you know, mm -hmm. there's expectations that you need to fulfill and meet. Mm -hmm. And if you don't fulfill and meet those, mm -hmm. you know, that's a game over. That That's quite frightening. And as an adult, um, that type of way of thinking just for a lot of people would be like, well, I don't need that. Like, why would I need that? If I can find uh, love and acceptance in other places, then that's where I'm going. I'm exactly. not, why, why would I hang around exactly. for this? Exactly, exactly. And yes. unfortunately, you know, this, this is this happens with so many people, so many Muslims that, um, whether they have SSA or not, I mean, I see this uh, and hear about this quite often and it, it breaks my heart because it's it's just not true. It's not true. This is not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's such a terrible, terrible injustice mm -hmm. to who he is. But And I did struggle with it, so I can I can relate to that. Um, and it's 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 unfortunate. But just to your point about mm -hmm. if we can't love ourselves, how can we ever expect to experience, you know, love from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala or even just from the world in general? And I think that that's there's an there's such a truth to that. And I've heard I don't know if anybody else has heard this um, phrase by Dr. Maya Angelou, who's a she's passed away now, but she's she's a, a poet. Um, and actually, she was all of other things, but she was, she was known for an a poetry, activist, uh, poet, professor. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Maya Angelou, yeah, amazing yeah. woman. Yeah. My Dr. Maya Angelou, um, she said, I remember it was an interview, she says, Beware of the naked man trying to give you clothes. Right. In other words, how can somebody who doesn't have the thing that they're trying to give you, how can, how can they possibly give you that, give you that thing? So if you yourself aren't clothed in love, how can you then give it to anybody else? How can you how can you manifest that? It's just not going to happen, right? And for people with the SSA, unfortunately, with everything that we've spoken about about experiences of shame and guilt and you know self hate, uh, all of all of that negative stuff, this is uh, an issue that exists, right? Mm -hmm. And Wahid, in the conversations that you've had with the countless number of of brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. Is this something that you're seeing come up often? Of course, of course. This idea of lack of love and not, you know, loving oneself. More often than not, absolutely, I would say that. And, you know, it's it's very interesting that when you gave that quote by Maya Angelou and you said, you know, sometimes if we don't have something, we are not able to give it. Um, and we will discuss this further down the line, inshallah. But w a lot of us are capable of giving love, even though we don't have it. But sometimes we don't know how to process it. We don't know how to channel it in the right ways. Um, right. And But because we didn't have the... Maybe we have love to different degrees. That's why we are able to give it to varying degrees. But what we're, tra what we're trying to say is there is a certain, um, if you want to think about it, a container of love that has to be filled to a certain minimum for us to be functional human beings. Um, right. And this comes from family and upbringing and our support, support environment and so on and so forth. And if we don't have that bare minimum, then there's a lot of dysfunction in our lives and we won't be able to give proper love in our relationships and our dealings and everything that we do the way that is healthy and rewarding and balanced if that makes sense yeah definitely then that makes complete sense i know that in my experience like when there's when i felt a lack of love or affection or belonging or or you know desire from the other person or people that oh you know you belong here you we want you here you're needed here is i've often reacted not through love because it's not loving what was coming to me it was this lack of you know, this same message that you're just, you're not, 
enough you don't fit our standards so mm-hmm. i've all, whenever that's happened in my experience in my life i've always reacted with a lot of resentment hatred potentially hatred a lot of anger and a lot of the you know a lot of negative emotion and it, 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 it it's got to the extent that whenever that person mm-hmm. or you know that symbol of lack of love was presented to me in life that was how i'd react because that was the pattern that had been embedded from you know a young age right. so this is that this is a massive problem and, and, and that will spill into other parts of life absolutely yes. will spill into other parts of your life because when you're in a, so for example that happened so for me that happened at home but if that was happening so that happened at home and that's what i learned and that's how i learned how to deal with it mm-hmm. so outside in the world if somebody a friend perhaps did something said something that was unloving or unkind or whatever it might have been like that would have been that was my reaction sometimes or I definitely felt something. <laughs> I was not. If I didn't act on it, if if I was able to curb it and say, right, I'm not going to act out, or I'm not going to lash out, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to be vengeful and hateful, it it was there, and it would boil away under the surface. And you know that that's that's a a byproduct of the toxicity of you know lacking in love. And I would love, and I'm going to ask this question to the listeners, and, I, and I, you can just ponder on this. Obviously, you don't need to answer this. <laughs> out loud or anything or write it down but it's just for everyone listening like in this moment where you are in your life right now do you feel loved do you feel like you have a place that you belong and i think a large number of us would probably say no because of how we've experienced life up until this point perhaps um and like i said before like it might be because of the messages that we receive from people around us the world around us that we're not good enough that we are abnormal we are an abomination Allah doesn't love people who uh, feel like we do that we're destined for the fires of hell um and it might also have been further um added to by a cycle of self-shaming so this is where you feel shame from perhaps an external stimulus but then you're you basically buy into it and it becomes self-fulfilling shame you 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 then just shame yourself mm-hmm. whenever that thing presents itself and mm-hmm. i've had this with so many things so mm-hmm. a lot and sometimes i still struggle with it i can still i can still feel those you know those uh sparks of shame come up every now and then uh and it, it's hard to deal with um but we can deal with it it can be dealt with and then perhaps we feel a lack of love because of the isolation. And like I spoke before, I was isolated for a long time. And sometimes, especially in recent times, uh, <laughs> I've felt that isolation and that lack of safety uh, around other people, which reinforces the absence of love and, and belonging. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, on this topic of self-love, there is, oh, you spoke about the idea that perhaps within our tradition, this isn't something that we really talk about, right? It's not something that we uh, emphasize, really. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's maybe, you know, we might, in fact, it's probably not ever talked about. And if it is, it's just glanced over. Right. But there is a hadith of the Prophet, وسلم, where um, he is speaking with one of his companions. Mm-hmm. And he is such a nice hadith. And I think it really demonstrates something that we really need to pay attention to, especially in the topic of, of, of self-love. Right. And the hadith goes as this. The Prophet وسلم, sent for Uthman ibn Mad'un and he came. The Prophet said, O Uthman, do you not desire my practice? And Uthman said, O Messenger of Allah, know by Allah, I seek your practice. The Prophet said, 
Verily, I sleep and I pray, I fast and I break my fast, and I marry women. Fear Allah, O Uthman, for your family has rights over you, and your guest has rights over you. Verily, your own self has rights over you, so fast and break your fast, pray and sleep. Uh, and for anybody interested, that can be found in the Sunan of uh, Abu Dawood. But um, that hadith, I think, demonstrates balance. This idea that you are, there are a lot of things that you will be engaged in in life. You'll be engaged in worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You'll be engaged in looking after yourself. You'll be engaged in, uh, you know, perhaps being married and, you know, being with a spouse. Um, you might be uh, engaged in looking after your family. You mm. might be engaged in looking after your parents. So you, many responsibilities. Yeah. So many things, right? Um, and I'm speaking generally. I'm not just talking about people with SSA. I'm talking generally. Um, and there's so many things. And, and he even mentions your own self has rights over you, that your own body, your soul, it has a right. It has mm. a right and it has a place. And so if we think about the um, the lack of love that we sometimes um, have for ourselves. How does that? How does that help us take af look after ourselves? How does that help us look after our own rights? Mm. It it doesn't right. It doesn't make any kind of sense. So if there's anyone listening who was, you know, resistance res or resisting the, the what we've been talking about in terms of self love, then I hope that this hadith kind of that it demonstrates that that it's necessary that you need it. You need it to be able to look after yourself. There's a lot of people that I know that they really kind of, they, they have, unfortunately, their life circumstances have been mm -hmm. such very difficult. Um, and they've unfortunately gone to a place where they've really given up on themselves. They're not looking after themselves. They're they're really just letting themselves go. And it's so sad to watch. Um, and it's, they, they, they just don't feel a sense of like love for themselves. Right. They don't care. They've, they've stopped caring. But this hadith is telling us that we, we, we have to, we must. Of it's course. necessary part of a balanced life. And it's all about a balance, as you said. Right. Uh, you know, um, don't take it too far on either extreme, right? Yes. Don't be very negligent and don't be too, 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 too hard on yourself to the point that you cannot really function anymore. So it's all about right. finding that balance that works for you um, and that um, keeps you in line with the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the teachings mm -hmm. of Islam and what Allah wants uh, from us. Absolutely. Exactly. Right. So, in, you know, we could say loving yourself or oneself is between two places or, the, you know, two extremes, if you'd like. So there's self-compassion on one hand and self-pity on the other. Um, mm -hmm. Now, we are going to talk about the two of those and I'm mm -hmm. not going to jump the gun on it, but it's um, it's something it's a really good way of, of um, envisioning what that should look like. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that, you know, we're talking about self-love and we're talking about all of these things and it's it can be a lot easier <laughs> spoken than done. Um, and this is something that I have had to learn for myself. And I know that anybody who starts embarking on this journey is going, going to have to learn for themselves. Is that how does that self-love manifest for you? Now, what are the signals that we need to become aware of uh, that we're doing too much um, or we're not doing enough in the way of self-love um, and we're not being compassionate enough? And it's not... Um, it's not always possible to, you know, I can't give you something that, right, if you do this, 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 this is going to work, because it is a process of self-discovery, but the beauty sits in that, because once you know, then you know, and like, or you said before, 
like um you said that when i was going through the triggers i was able to identify what that trigger was right like when, when the trigger took place i knew what it was mm -hmm. that wasn't possible like four or five years ago of course of course <laughs> i didn't know right. i had to i had to become aware of it i had to learn mm -hmm. i had to spend time um with myself and asking myself questions and really dealing with some of the you know difficult things mm -hmm. to really understand what what triggers me and sets me off and you know what puts me down a path of lacking in love and, and not taking care of myself and not looking after my needs um and that that comes with time um and so it's a journey um but there are general rules of thumb that that, that can be applied to everyone inshallah So to elaborate more on what you said regarding self-compassion, self-pity, and the differences between, you know, shame and guilt. Uh, personally, the very first time that I've heard about these, um, you know, these differences and what it means to be compassionate towards yourself is from a book called Option B. And it's been written by Sheryl Sandberg, who is the chief operations officer of Facebook. And she had written that book after she had dealt with the um, the uh, sudden death of her husband. And at that time, uh, he was in his late 40s and he um, uh, and he died all of a sudden, leaving her with her little kids. And she describes how she had dealt with the trauma of that, the adversities that she had to overcome. Mm -hmm. the support that she received it's a it's a really great read that teaches a lot about resilience about hope about the role of support groups family um how to overcome adversity and so on um but what i would like to say here is that one chapter of the book focuses on self-compassion and it's been really eye-opening for me personally because um I, i've only read it last year and it was the first I would say one of the the stepping stones for me to to delve into the topic of self-compassion, self-love and all of these um, themes. So the way that Cheryl describes it, she says that self-compassion is a middle ground between self-pity on one extreme and self-indulgence on the other. And um, if you remember at the beginning of the episode, we were talking about two extremes, right? People who mm -hmm. overindulge and focus a lot on their self versus others who completely neglect or even um, self-sabotage and abuse themselves. So there is self-compassion, which is the middle ground. And what does that mean? It means we show ourselves kindness, the same kindness that we would show to a friend who's going through a tough time. And for me, that was an, a big aha moment. Mm -hmm. yep. The way that I would treat myself is the way that I would treat other people that I care about. The, a friend who's going through a tough time, the same kindness that I would show that person is the same kindness that I would show to myself. So in other words, it is a way that we respond to our problems with concern and understanding instead of constant criticism and shame this has nothing to do with uh, avoiding personal improvement or thinking highly of ourselves to the point we inflate our ego it's it, it has nothing to do with that it's actually more of you know that whip that we use to mm -hmm. self-flagellate <laughs> we just yep. take that away and we take care of those inflamed wounds 
we don't beat ourselves so badly that we end up damaging ourselves and our futures. So that is self-compassion. Treat yourself the way that you would treat someone you love who is going through a tough time. It's that kindness, that love. So this is one of the core teachings of self-love that, honestly, personally speaking, it really changed the way that I look at myself and the way that I treat myself. It was a paradigm mm -hmm. shift for me. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I can remember reading that actually the uh, not the book but the the i remember reading the you know the the the, the phrase of uh, how you treat yourself as you would treat a friend a mm. dear friend mm -hmm. right and that really puts it into context this i that we would never speak to a friend in the way that we speak to ourselves and if we pay attention to the internal chatter in our minds it can be nasty yes sir <laughs> oh it can be so bad it I can know. be terrible and you know if we were to verbalize it um to someone else we probably wouldn't have any friends because of how nasty it really is um and when you start to look at it in that perspective it can often like i talked about before provide mm -hmm. you with that two or three or four degree shift that you need mm -hmm. in order to set off on another course right. if the ship steps off from sail and you change the coordinates even a little bit you're going to end up somewhere else right. so we might end we, by doing that we might actually be on another path another path of you know uh on on a journey towards becoming more self-loving and it's a journey like it's not a switch and you know we've said this before um sometimes reading about this stuff is just the starting point of it and that's fine like there's nothing wrong with it it's a journey like i i've re i've come across information like this before and then gone through a situation where i wasn't perhaps in the best state <laughs> mm -hmm. but then come back to it and absolutely just transform me again all over again and i've actually taken different things from it mm -hmm. so it's subhanallah it's it's quite amazing absolutely now there is something right so for some people hearing that it, it sounds fantastic right it, it sounds really good mm -hmm. or maybe it doesn't i hope it doesn't <laughs> but yeah. right but it, it, sounds, it sounds great and they might be thinking like what about guilt or remorse shouldn't we feel those things when we make a mistake and isn't that what religion exactly, tells us exactly yes right mm -hmm. and this is where people get it twisted <laughs> and i got it twisted for a long time and me too been, yeah. absolutely yeah um, so there's a difference between uh, guilt on one hand and shame on the other. When we experience shame, we blame ourselves, we feel small and worthless, we become angry at ourselves and further shrink into self-pity and hatred, right. and a vicious cycle ensues, right? right? Yeah. Now, for me, I have been at times completely unaware that this is the uh, pattern that I was experiencing until... Um, you know, until I, until I realized that that was what was happening. Right. Um, and, and in the last couple of months, as, as mentioned before in the podcast, I I went through that again. And I went through the process of feeling inadequate, like really inadequate, feeling like, why am I, why have I gone back into this cycle of, um, you know, uh, shame and self-hatred and inadequacy and feeling like, why can't I now get myself back out of it again? Which is then feeding that shame all over again. It's this terrible, terrible cycle. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I actually spoke about it that I gave it some light. <laughs> right. I brought it out of the darkness into the light that it really hit me hard. It hit me really hard. And I, um, I spoke about it, but I also wrote about it. I also wrote about the things that were causing me shame and I realized a lot of things from that and unfortunately for me and many of us 
Um, these types of patterns of thinking and feeling are, they're toxic, but they're very familiar. Um, sometimes to the point that we can't, we can't even see it. And mm -hmm. we, we, it's difficult for us to actually see beyond it. Absolutely. And it's just normal. You know, this is what, this is how we live life because this is all we know. And then we get stuck um, in that cycle, um, not knowing that we're carrying around so much weight. Like shame is heavy. It's a heavy emotion to carry around. And it's and it, it is expensive. <laughs> it requires energy. And when it it requires a lot of energy, and it, it will take up so much of your energy to the extent that you're not really going to be functioning at your peak. And I know for me, I I, I began to see that manifest. Um, and I have seen that manifest in my life in the past when I've perhaps maybe trying, been trying to achieve something, go after something career-wise or educationally. I have not sometimes been able to get to the same place as other folks. Mm -hmm. um, and now I don't encourage comparisons at all. <laughs> right, of course. But for me, I mean, at the time that was what I was doing and I was trying to figure out like, what is it about me that's not, why can't I do what other people do? And I was incredibly unjust of me to think like that, not only because comparisons are, are, are not something we should be doing at all, but also because I was ignoring the fact that I'm carrying around this 10 ton weight of shame mm -hmm. that's sucking up 90% of my energy mm -hmm. and it's not allowing me to give you know, uh, education or career or social aspirations or whatever it might be, that the energy that it acquires in order to get to that level or you know, the, to perform as I want to perform. And one of the things I had to learn was to kind of really s slow down and pay attention to how I was feeling and uh, learn to recognize the signs and the symptoms of when I am going through an episode of, you know, going down in a spiral. And some of the things for me were um, and are even as feeling really tired and exhausted by the end of the day. So just a regular day, either at work or, you know, if you're at university or whatever it is you're doing, just feeling really overly tired beyond what you probably normally are and perhaps maybe maybe if you've never known otherwise is is to maybe pay attention to that feeling of just the lethargy that you feel the you know this lethargic feeling of just really deflated and exhausted um i also stopped enjoying recreational activities so things that i would normally enjoy it just like mm, i don't want to participate in that and then increased anxiety around people that i don't know um, I've experienced social anxiety my entire life, um, and when I'm going through an episode, it, it, it actually gets worse. So yeah. for me, I know that when it gets worse, there's something not right. There's something I need to work on. I need to pay attention. And then also feeling like I just want to minimize myself and not almost exist. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you start to, um, I wouldn't say impose yourself on people because that's not the right way of describing it, but you almost don't want to impose yourself on people even though you're not and so you start to stop doing things that you really should be doing like for example um you know having uh saying a hello or a bye to somebody that you know a stranger walking by a smile or or even um just showing up and asking for the things that you really want and need so whether that's maybe at work or at university or at school or with your friends you kind of stop reaching yourself but yeah, you stop being yourself, you stop reaching out, you just start to minimize yourself and really uh, go inwards. Um, and a lot of these symptoms overlap with other mental health issues. So I want everyone to bear that in mind. It's not a definite list. 
of things that you know if you're experiencing shame these are the things that you should uh be looking at for but these are for me these were the my indicators and i i hope that by me sharing it it, it helps uh, you guys think about what that might look like for you and how that might be showing up with you um now on the other hand guilt this is where we take a step back and blame our actions the things that we do and so we thus become motivated to repair our wrongdoings and make better choices in the future so in other words there is a difference between if i weren't and if i hadn't so we separate the person yes, from the actions right absolutely so with with shame what you're talking about is with shame i blame myself i am the problem right i am not good enough i if i weren't that x y or z things wouldn't have happened whereas with guilt you're saying that i don't blame myself i don't i don't hate myself i blame a specific problem or action or sin or what have you which means if i hadn't done that uh things would have gone in a different way which means i'm separating the person from the problem right right exactly absolutely that's it that's it in a nutshell um and the thing with guilt and shame with shame shame comes with hopelessness shame comes with oh this is how i am and i'm not going to change that's just it and it's like a full stop end of story call it a day which is not true right it's it's, it's false whereas with guilt there is a hope of change there's 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 room and um scope and hope that things can get better it's, it's it's about the action and not the individual themselves we're not casting judgment on a person and their personality we're saying what you did was wrong you know and it can be changed because it's a behavior and all behaviors can be altered over time so that having said all of that this really puts into context this discussion about shame and guilt and them being different and from one another and using them appropriately because guilt can be healthy and I think it's necessary as well for us to realize when we do things that might not be um, moral or, you know, do, do things that are wrong. Mm -hmm. um, because without any sense of knowing when we're doing something wrong, um, how can we ever correct it? It's, it's just not possible. And so just like we've been talking uh, during this episode and, and discussing, it's it's a journey um, and we learn in the process. We realize how we think, how we feel, what triggers us, how we can improve. And just like I'm kind to other people, let me be kind to myself. That is a very, very important take home message. Instead right. of treating myself like something inferior or what have you, you insert, uh, you know, an adjective or like a blank statement. Let me treat mm -hmm. myself as I would love to treat a loved one. That is not arrogance. A lot of people confuse this with arrogance. It's not arrogance. This, uh, it's not pride. It's the bare minimum. It's a human right. Okay. And this is what we hope to achieve. Inst what is, if, if we ask ourselves, what is the worst thing I ever did? I am much more than that. That is when healing starts. But there's a question that uh, we would like to ask here. Some people say you can't help others when you're broken. Uh, you know, uh, some of us do. Uh, we said you can't really love others uh, unless you have a minimal residue of, of love or if you love yourself. But right. some are able to do that. So how can we answer this question, Adam? Ah, uh, okay. 
so you can understand this question in a couple of ways. Right. But the way that I would, the way I understand it, and then the response I'd give based on that understanding mm-hmm. is this idea of perfection versus imperfection, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, if we say that, um, if you have, if you're broken, quote unquote, whatever that means, mm-hmm. um, you can't help other people. Then does that mean that you can only help someone when you are in a perfect or unbroken state? Um, so I'm using perfection and perfection as some sort of replacement for broken, unbroken. Like, does it is this idea that we have to reach a certain level before we can help other people? Now, if that's the case, um, a lot of us who are capable of helping probably wouldn't, because we're still waiting to reach a certain level, and this can hold us back from doing good. For first and foremost, from doing good, and, and then secondly, from um, benefiting people, helping ourselves, um, and helping others. So um that's how i have interpreted this question um but wahid have you got any other thoughts right so we don't have to be perfect in order to help others right uh because uh, perfection is not even possible like humanly possible, yeah exactly right? so the thing itself is false <laughs> right uh but on the other hand we can also think that in order to give uh you know appropriate help in order to to reciprocate love we have to have a bare minimum of of love for example or like a certain capacity to reach out to have compassion empathy and this is something that i've alluded to earlier on if we think about it as a container right you need to have a a certain level of of love uh, that you have acquired growing up or from your relationships or uh, etc to be able to reciprocate this love because if you don't have that then, you know, being able to, to give yourself love or to give other people love is not going to be as effective or as um, of, of adequate quality as you would have loved to give. I know a lot of friends of mine who used to say, um, you know, we're still giving, we're still hoping, you know, you can still love, you can still give even when you're broken. But with time, they were burning out uh, they found themselves in a place which was too much for them to handle because mm-hmm. they were giving much, much, much more than they were able to handle or they were able to receive. Yep. That container started, um, you know, it started drying up. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't a balance in their life. So in, in conclusion, what we're trying to say is it's all about a state of balance, you you can reach out to help others, but you also need to focus on yourself. Mm. When you focus on yourself, you're not being arrogant. You're not uh, full of pride. It's about the bare minimum that you have to have in order to survive, in order to be a functional, loving human being. Right. When that state is achieved, then yes, you can function. You can reciprocate love. You can grow and develop. And it starts with yourself. It starts with love directed towards yourself. And I personally believe that when we achieve that state, we, ex- we, we experience a personal transformation that transcends not just ourselves, but it also reaches out to other people and it changes the environment around us. So we've covered quite a lot in this episode, Um, a lot of talk about love and self-love and shame 
Um, and I, I hope that the the listeners, um, I hope everyone listening has benefit from this. And just in conclusion uh, of this episode, I want to read back the quote that we read at the beginning of the episode, just to see if whether, and maybe you can pay attention to this, is just to see whether you actually hear this differently now. And I think that's always interesting is to, once you, you know, paying attention to where you were and where you are after, and perhaps there might be something in this quote that stands out. And resonates that, differently. Yeah, it resonates differently than it did before. So again, um, the art of being yourself at your best is the art of unfolding your personality into the person you want to be. Be gentle with yourself, learn to love yourself, to forgive yourself, for only as we have the right attitude toward ourselves can we have the right attitude towards others. And with that, we come to the end of today's episode. We hope that you have enjoyed it and benefited from it, inshallah. Adam and I look forward to talking to you next week to uh, continue our two-episode series, inshallah. Um, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to email us at awaybeyondtherainbow at gmail.com. And as a reminder, we are available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn Radio. Please follow us, spread the word, and subscribe to your favorite podcast so you can listen to us on the run, inshallah, and anywhere. You can also find all our episodes on our website, awaybeyondtherainbow.buzzsprout.com. You have been listening to Away Beyond the Rainbow with Wahid Jensen and friends. Until next week, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.